Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. We are so blessed by you guys. Thank you all so much for leading us in worship today. Today's scripture reading is going to come out of Jeremiah. We have been in a series in Jeremiah as we walk through the Bible together. And I have been preaching primarily out of the Old Testament. And so today we are continuing in that. And in the story of Jeremiah, we have been talking about how Jeremiah was given the uh, difficult task of letting God's people know that judgment was coming their way. And he let them know that in a hopeful sense because uh, God was preparing them for a future that was brighter than their current circumstances. And we all need that kind of word in our life. And what takes place in this uh, section of Jeremiah is that what he prophesied has come true. The Babylonians have come and they have... Uh, taken over Jerusalem, and it's one of two um, sieges by by the Babylonians. I'll get into that more in just a moment. But just to set the scene for you, people have been taken out of Judah, out of Jerusalem. They've been exiled to Babylon. And what we're going to read now is a letter that Jeremiah wrote uh, as he was directed by the Lord to do so. He wrote to the exiles, both the people in general as well as the the officials, the prophets, the priests, those who were taken out of Jerusalem and out of Judea, he writes them a letter. And I want to read to you a portion of that letter, starting in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4. In this section, we're going to read through chapter 29, verse 14. What you're going to see is in this section of Scripture, um, one of the most uh, well-known verses in all of the Old Testament, if not the Bible. See if you will catch it in this reading. Jeremiah 29, chap- chapter 29, starting in verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, said to all those carried from exile, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters. Give them in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. You hear that? That's the hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile, is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are, a couple things real quick. First of all, this month marks a one-year anniversary for Taylor Laskowski, who is our media director, comms and media. And you see all, in part, you see all the words up here and all the slides 
that are beautiful and correct, uh, she makes that happen. So we're very thankful for her. That's just a little bit of what she does, and so we thank you for her. Uh, and we have given her a card, and she didn't want to come up here, so uh, we weren't going to make her do that. But instead, come on up. Take, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> She's like, I quit. I quit. I don't want to do this. Uh, I've been talking to you guys about a men's retreat. We had to shift gears on that and plan to do something closer to home. And it's still going to be really great. So if you love steak dinner, if you love campfires, if you love good coffee, if you love skeet shooting and fishing, then we have a great weekend planned for you. It's going to happen right here in the Kennedy area, but we are going to have a fantastic time. So the plans are still in place to get together. Men of FBC Kennedy, we invite you to participate. Now, if you have already signed up and paid, you will be getting a reimbursement for what we have planned to do. For this, if you can come for both Friday night... And half of Saturday, the cost is going to be $40. That'll cover all your food and some door prizes and supplies and all of that. If you can just come Friday night or you can just come Saturday, the cost will be $20 for either one. All right. If you want to participate on your connection card, if you'll just put your name and number and write on the back of it, men's retreat, or you can write it on the front somewhere where I can see it, I'll mark you down. But I do kind of need to know by the end of the day tomorrow. So end of the day Monday, let me know if you can make it. And if you can, I'll make sure we have all the supplies. And I'm going to be getting out a detailed calendar to a detailed schedule to everyone who is going to participate so you will know what's going on, okay? A couple more real quick things. We don't have kingdom kids today because today we are observing the Lord's Supper. And when we observe the Lord's Supper, we always want the kiddos in here. For those who have been baptized, they can partake in the Lord's Supper. For those who have not yet been baptized, they get to sit and learn and observe what the Lord's Supper is all about. So it's an important Sunday for us to do that. And so we do have extra folders in the back if parents need something for the kiddos. Uh, I know like for mine, even though they're drawing or writing or whatever, they're also listening to everything. But it kind of keeps their hands busy. So if you need something back here where the lamp is in the back corner of the sanctuary, you can find those folders in a basket. Okay, I think that's it for the announcements. We're going to dive into a well-known portion of Scripture. Did you catch the famous verse out of the Old Testament, out of Jeremiah 29? Did you hear it? Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Uh, One of the things that I love about being able to preach through the Bible is we get to get some context to that verse. You maybe just saw it painted on a nice picture or you saw it on a meme on Facebook or something like that. But today we're going to have a chance to actually look at what's taking place around this because it sounds so nice and cheery. You would never guess that, oh, God's people are in exile. They've been kicked out of their home. They're basically doing slave labor in Babylon. This is, this is not a good situation. And yet, one of the themes, if not the theme of Jeremiah, believe it or not, is the theme of hope. That in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the difficulty, even when they're created by Judah themselves, by God's people, they're in exile because of the decisions they made. And yet God says, but there's still hope. And I love that because that is the God that we serve. It doesn't matter your life circumstances. It doesn't matter the decisions you've made up to this point. God is still a God of hope. God is still a God of second chances. God is still for you and wants to help you get on the path that he has for you, which is the very best path. And so we're going to kind of get a glimpse of that, and we're going to learn some things, I think, along the way that I hope will be helpful to us as we seek to please the Lord with our lives. So let's pause here for just a moment. Let's pray together and dive into Jeremiah 29. Father God, thank you for this chance to be together. 
Thank you for this wonderful time of prayer and worship. And God, looking ahead to the wonderful things that you, God, are leading us to do in the life of our church. I'm thankful that we have this place to come. And I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that we would have our hearts ready to receive from you what you have for us. I pray that we would not only understand it, not only would our affections be warm towards you, but God, that you'd also prepare us to take what you show us today and live it out in our lives. This is what we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If I were to give you the big idea of the sermon at the very beginning, it would be this, is that there is great value in waiting well on the Lord. There is great value in waiting well on the Lord. Now, now I'll be honest with you. I don't personally wait well. Patience is not a strong suit of mine. You know, the old joke is that you don't pray for patience because then God will just orchestrate circumstances that force you to learn patience. I think some of you are praying for patience on my behalf and you can stop. You don't have to keep doing that. We're good. We got, we got enough, but maybe you're like me, you know, like you're, you're getting up to the red light and you you're making calculations to figure out how you can get to your destination 3.2 seconds faster than you would have. Otherwise, I don't know if you're that way, but you're, you're looking, you're saying, well, this line's shorter than that line. Or I just followed those people to the last stoplight and they're super slow, but the other people are fast. Or you're trying to figure out, okay, well, that's got an 18-wheeler and it, it's going to be really slow, but this lane has 17 cars. So you're just, you know, you're like beautiful mind. You're just doing these math, math calculations. It's no better at the grocery store, you know, just trying to figure it out. Like you, in a small town, you know who the checkers are, right? And you're like, oh, come on. And you know who, who are those who can, you know, they can pull that stuff over that scanner real quick they know how to bag stuff you know and so you're just paying attention trying to figure out well this line's longer but they got a faster checker i'm not a terribly patient person uh i'm glad the lord puts things in scripture that will help us to learn this lesson because i doubt i'm alone i'm guessing that depending on circumstances in your life you may struggle with being patient as well depending on you know, you may be very patient in one area of your life, but then you, you talk about another area of, of your life, and, and the patience that you have there is, is extremely limited. And so I'm just thankful that God's Word can have something to say about our struggle with patience. patience the patience specifically to wait. I think it's a human problem. I think we all share in that. I think that's what made Israel very, or or in this case, Judah, because remember the kingdoms had already been divided. The northern kingdom, Israel, has already been conquered by Assyria. And now the southern kingdom, the prophet Jeremiah is saying, Babylon's coming for you and there's nothing you can do. But he wasn't the only voice. He was the voice of saying, this is going to take some time. But there were other voices. And our human problem of waiting that we all share on God I think played into Judah's desire to hear from an alternative voice. Okay, Jeremiah, we've heard you. Now we would like to hear from some other prophets that will say the things that we want them to say. And what we want them to say is, 
when things are evident that yes, at first it was, we're not going to be conquered. That's what they wanted to hear. And sure enough, they found prophets who would say to them, you're not going to be conquered. But at this point in Jeremiah 29, they have already been defeated by Babylon. The very first exile has already been taken, has already taken place. So they can no longer say it's not going to happen. It has happened. But what they can say now is, but it's only going to last a couple years. It's not going to take that long. God's going to, you know, these Babylonians are terrible. And they were. God's going to punish them. And he did. And it's going to happen soon. But that was the lie. That was the thing God didn't say. God didn't say it's going to happen soon. God said it's going to take patience. You're going to have to wait. It's going to take some time. And so this human dilemma of not wanting to be patient and wait on God's timing that we all share, I think it played into Judah's desire to hear, their itching ears to hear from the prophets of their day. It's only going to take two years, and that's what they were saying. What did Jeremiah say? Jeremiah said, no, 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 it's not going to take two years. It's going to take 70 years. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to wait. There's a king in Judah named Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim died during Babylon's first siege of Judah, specifically of the city in Judah, the capital city of Jerusalem, in about 598-597 BC. It's his son that takes Jehoiakim's place, and his name is Jehoiachin. Jehoiachin took the place of his father after his father had died in that siege in 598-597. 7 BC. He immediately surrenders to the Babylonians and to the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. Then he was exiled himself to Babylon after this first siege. We're going to see at the end of Jeremiah, he's actually eventually released from prison. He's actually honored by the Babylonian king and taken care of on the foreign soil in which he lived, exiled in Babylon until the day he died. That All that information is at the end of Jeremiah in chapter 52. So after his father dies and after he's exiled to Babylon, Jehoiachin, his, uh, Jehoiachin's uncle Zedekiah takes his place on the throne, but he is a vassal king. A vassal king is when another country would take over a country and say, we're going to put up a leader that is going to answer to us, Babylon. And so uh, Zedekiah is a vassal king under Nebuchadnezzar, and the Babylonian kingdom. He was the last king of Judah. And he protested against Jeremiah's prophetic word that it's going to take us 70 years to get out of this mess. And in fact, he worked against God's will. God's will was that they would be disciplined by the Lord in captivity in Babylon that would last 70 years. But Zedekiah, the last king of Judah, fought against that, even to the point of joining forces with Egypt. Something to know at that time is that you have the Babylonians and the Egyptians. And in between them was an important stretch of land where Judah and Israel resided. And so that's why they would go to war over that stretch of land. And Egypt was much weaker than Babylon, but Jerusalem or Judah saw that if they could partner up with Egypt, they would have a chance to defeat Babylon, but God already said, I'm sending the Babylonians. It's my will that I, that you would be disciplined through them. But Zedekiah, again, the last king of Judah, tries to partner up with 
the Egyptians against the Babylonians. And about 10 years beyond what we just read in Jeremiah chapter 20 year, about 10, 11 years or so after this moment, the Babylonians return. This time, they destroy everything. And they exile everyone. Zedekiah was captured during that siege. He was punished by having his sight removed, his eyes gouged out, after witnessing the execution of his family. Pretty rough scene. Then he's taken to Babylon to sit in prison until his death. This is what's happening in the life of Judah. So just put Jeremiah 29, 11 in that context, okay? And God is saying, it's bad, it's going to get worse, but eventually it'll get better. Now, that might be God's word to you today. Things are bad. It may even get worse, but it will eventually get better. That's why Jeremiah, though, he is a prophet that weeps for those he loves and are going through the discipline of the Lord. Ultimately, he is a prophet of hope that God is going to restore the fortunes of those who follow the Lord. But it's not going to come fast. There is no fast lane. It's going to take time and we're going to have to wait on God. And at some point or another, probably many times in our lives, we're going to be in that place where we have to wait. We would like to move ahead. We would like to see what's next. We would like to experience progress, advancement. We would like to move beyond this season to the next. And God says, I know you would, but you're going to have to wait. And that can be a tough word to hear from the Lord. So what I want to look at here is, uh, first... How do we know we're supposed to wait and we're not supposed to advance? There's times in Israel's history where they should have advanced and they waited. God said, go, and they stayed. So how do we know we're not in one of those seasons where God's given us direction and we need to take it rather than God is saying, wait. That's the first question. The second question is, okay, if God does say we need to wait, what do we do while we wait? So let's take the first question. The first question is more of a just, we kind of got to get this off the table because uh, of the circumstances in which we're reading about. We got to kind of deal with this somewhat, but the text itself doesn't deal with this issue, okay? But it is worth asking, is, does God have me in a season of waiting? Or is God giving me direction and I need to follow it, right? So how do we know? The first thing is always, this is always the first thing. When we're unsure about what we should do next, wait, advance, hold up, move forward. Anytime we're unsure, there's something as Christians that we should always do. And it's seek counsel from the word of God and seek direction from the Lord in prayer. It's just that simple. That's why it's foundational to our life is to read the Bible and pray. That's why we're doing an annual Bible reading plan this year while we're planning to do a, a similar uh, plan next year going through the New Testament is because God often has already given us direction in the word. We don't have to ask him. He's already said it. We just need to read the word and apply it to our life. Often that's the case. Sometimes in the word of God, we uh, aren't sure even after reading it. And so what do we do? We seek the Lord's direction to understand how to apply what we read in scripture. 
So that's the first thing we do is we read God's word and we pray. Is this a time to wait? Is this a time to move ahead? But maybe it's still a little cloudy after we seek the Lord in scripture and prayer. What can we do next? We can seek godly counsel and the Bible encourages us to do that. Find those that we believe are faithful unto God. They know the scripture. They're people of prayer. Let me go and take counsel from them. Let me see what they have to say. Let me visit with them and see if God will speak to me through their words. So after that, hopefully there comes some clarity. And what we want to ask is this. If God is calling us to wait, how do we wait faithfully? In other words, back to the big idea of today's message is how can we find the great value God has promised us in waiting well? How do we wait well? I think there are six ways and I'm going to have to kind of go a little fast here. So just kind of hang in there with me. Uh, I guess that's a little ironic to talk about waiting and then talk super fast. Sorry. I just realized that. My bad. Maybe I'll just slow down, and if I don't get to all six, we'll just pick up on it next week, maybe. Okay. Six ways that we find in this story of Jeremiah, six things to do so that when we wait, we can wait faithfully. What we're going to find is in this first little section that we read earlier, we're going to find words like build, settle, plant, eat, get married, have kids, encourage your kids to get married so they can have kids, seek the Lord, seek good for others. Here's the thing that I want to point out first. The first thing is to understand that when God calls us to wait, it's not passive waiting, it's active waiting. He doesn't want us to just sit on our hands and do absolutely nothing. There's some things he does want us to do while we wait, which is a good thing because we naturally kind of want to do something and we'll run off and sometimes do the wrong things. But there are some right things that we can do while we are waiting on God. So we're not talking about passive waiting. We're talking about active waiting. Look with me in verse 5 of Jeremiah 29. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God says to his people, Judah, who are in Babylon, exiled from their home, you need to build new homes, build houses. You need to settle down. You need to literally plant roots, plant gardens. You need to stick around. Have you ever planted something? Does it grow the next day? Do you see fruit right away? Do you see those vegetables popping up? No, it takes time, doesn't it? He says, plant those gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have kids. That doesn't happen quickly, does it? Find wives for your sons and daughters, which is what they did back in the day. Give your daughters in marriage so that they may have sons and daughters. Think back about it from when you met who you're married to now, if you're married, up to the point of you having kids, up to the point of them having kids, any of that happening quickly? He says, increase in number, do not decrease. Now, what's interesting here is how uninteresting this is. This is just life. And what God says is, the first thing that he says is don't stop living life. As you're waiting on God, fulfill the basics of the life that God has given you. The very basics of life God has designed you for. 
If you go back in Genesis, you're going to see a lot of this stuff happening in Genesis. Having families, having kids, planting, gardens, all that kind of stuff is happening. That that's part of our design. He's saying, live out your God-given design well. That's your active waiting is do the basics that God has given you to do. Do them unto God. Do them well. Be fruitful. So waiting on God isn't antithetical to being productive. They're not opposites. It's not passive waiting. It's active waiting. So don't stop living your life as God is calling you to wait. Do the basic things he's called you to do and do them well. Second thing. Second thing that we find when it comes to waiting well, you'll see in verse 7. God here says, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Sometimes when God calls us to wait, we can become very self-focused, self-absorbed. We're just thinking about us all the time. That's where our mind drifts. Every minute of every day is, when am I going to get to move ahead? When am I going to get that promotion? When am I going to get through this season of life? When is this relationship going to improve? When are my finances going to get better? We're just, we're just filled with all the thoughts about us. And what's interesting here is that God encourages his people to actually be a blessing to others. How can you wait well? By actively waiting on God as you do good for others. And what kind of good are they called to do? Jeremiah says, or God says through Jeremiah, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. Interestingly, these words are the same. Peace and prosperity. And then at the end of verse 7, prosperous and prosper. Those are all actually the same word that comes from the Hebrew word shalom. And that word shalom, it has the connotation of soundness, completeness, wholeness. God is encouraging his people to be a blessing to others in a way that would honor the Lord. So how do we wait well in that season of waiting? One of the best things we can do is get our eyes off ourselves and look around and ask God, God, who do you want me to bless today? Who do you want me to help experience your peace, your prosperity? And one of the amazing things is, is when you do that, it's going to come back to you. That's what God says. Look, if you seek to bring prosperity to the places I planted you, guess what? You're going to benefit from that. Blessings are going to come your way. But it's not going to happen if you just stay focused on you. Look around. If God has you in a season of waiting, who has he put around you that you can bless? Now, number three. Look at verse 8 through 10 here. I've already kind of explained that there were false prophets trying to say, you know, it's only going to be two years. It's not going to be that bad. And Jeremiah's... uh, has fought that way of thinking that's very uh, human-oriented. And here God uh, restates this, saying, Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. 
And I think the great lie that we find in the scriptures is that this won't last. God's going to get us through this quick. No need for waiting. One of the things that we are tempted to do if God has called us to wait is to find a way around it. God, I know you said wait, but let me find a shortcut. God, I know you said wait, but surely there, there, there's some kind of exception for me because, you know, I'm not good at waiting. So surely God, you know, he has a fast lane for me and I can just kind of get through this real quick. But there are no shortcuts. There are no easy answers. Sometimes the waiting actually means waiting. So we have to sometimes reject that. Within ourselves or other people may try to speak into our circumstances and try to rush us along and we have to say, no, God has me in a season of waiting and I will wait. One of the reasons we can do that, I think, is the fourth thing found in verse 11 is that God is good. God is good. We can believe in the goodness of God while we wait. We can keep reminding ourselves of the goodness of God. What does he say? Verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. That's that word peace again. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is a good God who has good things planned. If we'll wait. I think this is one of the the beautiful things about this promise is that when we believe God is good, we believe that this season of waiting is actually going to produce something really awesome later on. And I may have to wait through this, but God is going to do something and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. And I can't, I can barely wait for it, but I can wait for it because I know it's coming my way. You can trust that when God says wait, it's because he's doing something really, he's doing something to prepare you for a blessing and he's preparing a blessing for you. I'm not going to tell you what that looks like. It may not turn out any way that you thought. It may be drastically different than what you had hoped. But if it comes from the hand of God, we know that it is ultimately for our good. Again, the word peace or shalom is right in the center of this. God's goodness is going to bring completeness, wholeness to our life. One of the things I often say is, Uh, use an NIV application study Bible or some kind of study Bible. They're great tools. I was reading through my study Bible this week as I worked on this message. And I love what it had to say here. When it talks about plans to prosper you, that it's actually talking about the word peace. And it says between human beings and God, it suggests a close and unhindered relationship. Indeed, it is only in a relationship with the God of peace that true shalom can be fully realized. That the great and awesome and wonderful thing God might be preparing you for in the waiting is to know him better. Because what are you going to do when you wait? I hope you're going to pray. Before I get to that, because that's part of what I want to say next. I jumped ahead of myself a little bit there. But what I want to point out here is that this waiting on God, believing in the goodness of God, believing that God is going to bring shalom into my life, the very most important way in which I have peace or wholeness is to have a relationship with God. Romans 5, 
verse 1 into verse 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, meaning that in God's eyes, we are just. Christians, did you know that? That in God's eyes, you are just. Even when you're not. You are seen by God as just. How is that possible? The scripture says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. What is the scripture saying to us here? That wholeness, that completeness that we're seeing, that peace in our life that we want to pursue that might only come through waiting in the Lord has been provided for us in Jesus. The salvation that Judah wanted, that Israel wanted, now is in our rear view, just as it is in our present. We have experienced the fulfillment of those promises that God is going to bring salvation. We now have it in Jesus. And I think there's something about seeing that, seeing that God has provided for me this wholeness, this relationship that matters more than any other relationship helps me to wait well because I see in Jesus that God is good. Now, verse 12 and 13, number five. The fifth thing we do, in addition to number four, believing that God is good, is that because we believe God is good, we can seek God. We can come to God. We can talk to God. We can complain about the things that we're waiting on. He'll let us do that. We can gripe to God. We can tell him how we really feel. We can tell him we're sick and tired of waiting. We've been waiting for a long time. When are you going to come through for me? You can say that stuff to God. How do I know that? Because the Psalms are full of prayers like that, of people saying those very kinds of things. Now, this is a little bit more hopeful here. If you look in verse 12, what we read is, Then you will call on me, which is prayer, and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Now, this is in the context of Judah and the bigger picture Israel. But but understand something. This is said to you and me too. God hears you. He is listening to you when you come and pray and talk to him. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. What do we do when we wait? How do we wait well? What does active waiting look like? It looks like continuing to seek God. Because in that waiting, when we feel that angst, guess what? We can worry. We can come up with plans. We can go on Google and find a solution. Or we can pray. We can get to know the God that is calling us to wait. That's something we can do. That is good active waiting is to seek God. And then the, fourth, and then the sixth thing we can do is to see the bigger picture. Verse 14. In verse 14, we read this. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I've carried you to exile. Here's the bigger picture. Here's what God is doing. Here's where we're going. You may not see all the details. You may not see all those little roads that you've got to take to get there, but this is what God is up to. We have that clear picture in Scripture. That God is bringing the good news of the gospel to the world. And that one day Jesus will return and make all things right. And we will spend an eternity in heaven with him. And it will be, ble- it will be so amazing. 
It would be the greatest thing ever. We can't hardly imagine it now. That's where we're going. That's the end result. And the great news is it doesn't depend on you or me. God has already secured this for us. Here's the hard news, though. Those that heard those words would not experience that in their lifetime. Their waiting on the Lord was going to take 70 years. They were not going to step foot back into what we call the promised land. But their kids would, and their grandkids would, and their great-grandkids would. What I want you guys to hear is that you're waiting. You may not experience the fruit of it in this life. But if you wait well, there's a really good chance that those you care most about in this world will taste the fruit of your patience in the Lord. What a beautiful thing to think about. Oh, yes, you are going to get a taste of that final plan. You're going to get it. You're going to receive it in full. This may not happen right now. It may not happen in your lifetime. But if you can wait well, your testimony to those around you and those who come after you can be so powerful. And think about this. You'll get to hear about that. You'll get to see that. In a thousand years, you'll get to hear those stories of how you were waiting on God patiently, but actively. And look what that did in the lives of those around you. Look how it benefited them and see how God used that in their story. And you are a part of it. It's hard to wait. I know it is. It's hard to wait on the Lord. But when he has called you to wait on him, when he has directed your paths to not rush ahead, but be patient, you can guarantee God is working up something good. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Jeremiah. Thank you for his willingness himself to wait through difficulty and yet be faithful to you. I pray, Father, that we would learn from his life and from the words you spoke through him to not passively sit by and begrudgingly wait on you, but that we would actively and faithfully wait well. We know we can't do that without your help. So we pray, Father God, you'd help us to do that. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we enter into a time of invitation before we take the Lord's Supper, let me just encourage you. Maybe God is putting on your heart one of those situations in which he's called you to wait. And it's not easy. Would you use this time to talk to him about it? If you need prayer, you can come forward. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray exactly where you're at. But let's let's respond to the Lord as we sing this hymn together. Would you stand with me?